0: Today we want to take one last look at the life of Elijah, Uh, and so we're going to be in uh, 2 Kings chapter 2 today, and so if you have your Bibles, we invite you to open up to this uh, chapter. Uh, From what we've read so far, it's obvious that Elijah had had a full life. Uh, He's done a lot of different things. He uh, came onto the scene as uh, the, ju- the, uh, the prophet that was going to pronounce judgment against Israel. Uh, the judgment, he said, was that there'd be no rain until I say so. And it, it's a result of them living in idolatry. They had turned away from the Lord and gone after the Baals. And then after that, uh, after three and a half years of, of no rain, uh, Elijah comes back and says, hey, guys, let's talk about this some. And so they go to Mount Carmel, and you can read about the fantastic story Uh, In 1 Kings chapter 18, where he uh, proves to the Israelites that the Lord, he is God. And and so it's a great scene. uh, But then he also, last week we talked about, had fear in his life uh, when Jezebel threatened to kill him. And so he runs away, goes all the way to Mount uh, Horeb, Mount Sinai. uh, And uh, he uh, has an encounter with God. And if you remember, uh, last week he was told to do three things. And the three things he was supposed to do was... Uh, to anoint the next king of Aram. All right? This was the nation north of Israel. Uh, and, and, and it was kind of God saying, I am in charge of them, even though they don't realize it. Uh, he said, go to anoint the king, the next king of Israel. All right? Because Ahab was going to be gone. Uh, and then also go and anoint the next uh, prophet of Israel. Now, of those three things, Elijah does one of them. All right? uh, uh, he goes and he anoints Elisha. Uh, the next prophet of Israel uh, And Elisha will actually be the one that anoints the next king of Aram And the next king of Israel uh, Not Elijah So it's interesting to see that And, and from the moment that uh, Elisha had uh, been anointed by Elijah Isn't that confusing? All right? Elijah, Elisha, and they're right next to each other It's not like they're like 50 years apart They're in the same story So hopefully you will hear And I'll try my hardest to to speak clearly on this. Okay, so the moment Elisha uh, starts to follow Elijah, there is this uh, loyalty that is developed. And and we're not going to look at the entire relationship. We're just going to see how it plays out here in Chapter two uh, of Second Kings. Uh, And so uh, we just need to recognize that this was a mentoring relationship and probably one of the best ones that we see in the Bible. All right. Elisha follows Elijah around, and Elijah does everything that a prophet would do, and so Elisha basically gets to to watch one of the greatest prophets in all of Israel's history and learn from him, and then he'll go off and do his own ministry as well, all right, so we are uh, basically at the conclusion of Elijah's life, all right, that's what we're going to be reading about. Uh, when we Look at the Bible in the Old Testament. We have this division between First Kings and Second Kings, and in the Old Testament, that division didn't really exist. It's something that we put in uh, for various reasons, uh, and and really, this is one book. First Kings and Second Kings is one scroll uh, in the in the old olden days. Okay, uh, and so. That happens with Samuel, that happens with the book of Chronicles And so it's a continuation of the story It doesn't stop and start up again, it's a continuation So uh, we have to kind of keep that in mind So this is the conclusion of Elijah's life Even though it takes place in 2 Kings And so this is, uh, this is what we read, uh, starting in verse 1 It says, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal all right, so we, uh, we, we kind of are introduced, all right, we get the, the foresight of hind, or the hindsight of, of future, of history. Uh, and so we get to know, hey, Elijah is about to be taken to the Lord. Now, how much does Elijah know? How much does Elisha know? We don't necessarily know. We don't know if they know everything uh, or if they just know a part of it. Okay, It seems that Elisha, uh, from this chapter, is knowing that Elijah is planning on, On Going away now whether he recognizes that's because he's going to go on a whirlwind to heaven or whether it's because he might be dying Maybe Elijah's really old. We don't know. We don't have enough information All right, and so uh, we just kind of uh, are given this setting All right, and they're in this place called Gilgal uh, and this Gilgal is is actually we don't really know where it is Okay, there's a town a place where the Israelites after they crossed the Jordan River uh, that they named Gilgal, uh, and it could be this place, but based on, on where they're going to be traveling in the rest of the chapter, uh, it's possibly not this place, because it'd be like one big circle. And, and so they started here, and they would go here, and then they'd come back, and it'd be kind of weird. So, so we really don't know where this is. A lot of places change names. You know, it's been uh, 4,000 years uh, since they named these places in the Old Testament, and so it's... It, don't be distracted by the fact that we don't necessarily know where this is. And as they're walking, they're going to have a conversation. The conversation uh, goes like this: In verse two, Elijah is going to say to Elisha, "Stay here. The Lord has sent me on to Bethel." But Elisha is going to say, "As surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you." So they went down to Bethel. Uh, this conversation is going to happen three times in this in this uh, chapter. All right, you're going to have uh, Elijah look at Elisha wherever they're at. and He's going to say, hey, why don't you stay here? I need to keep going. And Elisha is going to say, no, 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 no. As, as long as the Lord lives, as long as you live, I am staying with you. And there's this dedication that Elisha has towards Elijah. And I think it's something that, that we should emulate in our lives. All right, there are times that we are dedicated towards people. All right. We we, we see this sometimes in jobs when there's a favored uh, manager and they uh, find a new job, they get promoted and you have some turnover sometimes because you really love that manager and you don't want to be at this job anymore. And and there's a dedication towards this leader. Uh, Sometimes we see it in the church when a minister leaves. uh, Usually a lot of people leave as well as a dedication towards the manager, not the church itself. I think that the problem that the Israelites were facing throughout most of their lives uh, as a nation was because they were following ungodly men. All right, we see this in their kings. That, that Ahab was the eighth king of, of Israel, and they were all wicked. They were all ungodly. And the problems that they faced as a nation was because their leaders that they were following, that they were choosing to follow, were leading them astray. And I think we have an obligation to find godly men to follow in our lives. Elijah is the only godly leader in the Israel as a nation. I mean, he, he when he gets to Mount Horeb and he's talking to God, he says to God, God, listen, I'm the only one that's kept the covenants. All right, everyone else has broken this covenant that you established with, the, with us, and I am the only one left following it. So he was a godly leader. And so Elisha, he's been living his life under the kings of Israel, and he recognizes that they are not godly, and that here is Elijah saying, won't you come with me? And he says, yes, yes, I'll go with you. All right, he has this dedication towards this godly leader. Uh, Tuesday, we get to vote, right? And, and the thing I think that we see in the voting, and the reason why I think we have so many problems uh, in our nation, is because for far too long, too many people have followed ungodly people. Republicans and Democrats. They've been ungodly for so long. All right? and, and when we look at our presidents that are, are being presented before us, it's hard to find godliness in either of their lives. And so we're, we're being asked to choose which one of these are we supposed to choose from. I think as Christians, we need to be seeking out godly leaders, not only uh, for our personal lives, but for our nation as well. We need to get behind those godly leaders as much as we possibly can. All right? Until, uh, Elijah says here, until, until you're taken away or until I'm taken away, that's how much we should be following these godly leaders. Within the church, you know, we, we have godly leaders here at Kentucky Road. Our elders are our godly men. And we may not always agree with the decisions that they make. Right? And a lot of times I think we don't agree with them because we don't have all the information. And that's okay. All right? We don't always have to know everything behind the scenes of what's happening. But we need to recognize that when our leaders make a decision, we should be following them. That, I think, is what we can learn here from Elisha. All right, Elisha, uh, they have this conversation, all right, and and we get to verse 3. In verse 3, we read that the company of prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha, and they asked the question, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, so be quiet. Uh, again, this is something that's going to be repeated, uh, and, and we'll see that here in a little bit. Uh, and anything that's repeated in the Old Testament, especially, but anything that's repeated in the Bible, is something that's important. We should be paying attention to it. And so uh, we need to look at this conversation. The first thing we need to ask is who is the company of prophets? All right, this is. Uh, something that, that kind of is ambiguous, we, we don't really know a lot about them, there's not a lot about, said about them other than that they've been around for a while. It seems that possibly Samuel uh, established this group of people whose entire job was to go to, to all the villages of Israel and to, to preach the word of God. All right? The word prophet uh, for us is an unfortunate translation because when we think prophet, what do we think? We think future, right? Right. People that see the future and tell what the future is going to be. Unfortunately, in the Hebrew, that's not what that word means. All right? The word just means someone uh, who speaks the word of God. And so, yes, there were some prophets in the Old Testament who were given future information. Elijah, he was given future information. It's not going to rain until you say. Right? uh. uh Some of the prophets that we read about, uh, Isaiah, uh, uh, Jeremiah, Daniel, they're given future information. So, yes, uh, that that is part of it. But also anyone that goes around talking about the word of God and trying to get people to follow the Lord and his covenants, they were prophets. So in that sense, all right, what I'm doing here today is prophetic. Okay, I'm not telling you what the future brings. All right. But I'm telling you what the word of God says. And so we've got to keep that in our mind. So these guys are like traveling preachers, if you will. All right, and Elijah, at this time, seems to be the one in charge of these guys. All right, and so he's, he's going to Bethel, and there seems to be a group of them that have established there. And he's talking to them, and, and we're not told how long he stays, but I'm assuming he goes there to kind of impart some final instructions on what they're to do. Hey guys, I'm leaving you, and here's what you need to do while, uh, when I'm gone. All right. And and it seems that from this conversation, they understand that Elijah is not going to be around anymore. And so they come out to Elijah and they say, hey, Elijah, did you hear? Elijah is going to be gone. And Elijah says, yes, I know. And we have the bad translation again of be quiet. Okay, it's not he's not telling them to, to stop talking. He's not telling them to 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 shut up or anything like that. What he is telling them. Uh, is that they need to calm down, all right? Uh, they, you know how it is, we get some bad news and then we just talk about it and talk about it and talk about it and we work ourselves up into a frenzy uh, or into an emotional state that, that we cannot be calmed. And this is kind of what Elisha is saying here. He's saying, listen, guys, don't worry about it. God's going to take care of it. Be quiet. Stop talking about it. Just Just follow the will of the Lord. And sometimes I think we get so engrossed on our situation and what the future is going to hold that we forget that God has a task for us. And I think that's what Elisha's doing here. He says, listen, I understand this is, this is going to be emotional, we're going to be sad, and we're going to lose a great leader, but we need to do the task that God has given us. So be quiet. All right. So that's what happens here. Uh, this whole this whole thing is repeated. OK, so uh, once they get done talking to the prophets at, Baal, or at Bethel, Bethel, uh, Elijah will say to Elisha, Hey, why don't you stay here? I'm going to go on to Jericho. Elisha says, No, no, as long as the Lord lives, as long as you live, I'm going to not leave you. And so they head off to Jericho. They get to Jericho. There's another group of prophets there. Uh, they they again have the conversation with Elijah. They come out to Elisha and they say, Hey, did you hear that this is going to happen? And Elisha says, Yes, be quiet. And then Elisha again, or Elijah again says to Elisha, Hey, why don't you stay here? I have to go to the Jordan. And Elijah says, No, I'm going with. All right, so it, it's just a constant re- repetition. And we get all the way to uh, verse 7. And in verse 7, uh, that's where this repetition stops, if you will. In verse 7, we read that 50 men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. All right, so these these men had been told to let, uh, be stay behind, and yet they want to see what's happening. They recognize something big is about to happen, so they go to this place where they can watch Elijah and Elisha as they are at the Jordan River, all right? So they're interested. They, they're curious. So when we get to verse 8, uh, in verse 8, uh, as these 50 men are sitting there watching, Elijah took, takes up his cloak, he rolls it up, and he strikes the water with it, and the water is divided to the right and to the left, all right, and, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And what we, what we have here is, is the continuation of the author of, First King, of the book of Kings trying to show how much Elijah was, very, was like uh, Moses, all right? And, and I think it's important that we recognize this, because Moses at one point in time said there's going to be a prophet." who's going to do things like I do them, and you need to listen to them. All right? He is talking about Jesus there, but he's also talking about Elijah in a sense. He says, listen, Elijah did things just like Moses did. We need to listen to his words and what he has to say. So let's, let's look at some of that. All right? Both Moses and Elijah were called to go to the Israelites. They were called with different messages, but they were called to go there. Moses was called to, to bring the uh, Israelites out of Egypt. And even though he did that, they complained about it every step of the way. They wanted to go back. We don't like it out here. You're going to make us die. Let's go back to Egypt. They didn't like listening to what Moses had to say. All right, Elijah, he's called to the Israelites with the message of you've turned away from the Lord. You need to turn back to him. And what do they do? Oh, yeah, they don't listen. Just like they didn't listen to Moses. All right? And so they ha- both have to follow God's calling in this. Uh, they both have this scene on Mount Sinai. Okay, Moses' scene is, uh, is, is when he's talking to God and he says, God, I want to see you. And God says, well, we can kind of work with that. And so he hides him in a cleft of the rock. And, and Moses is able to witness the presence of the Lord. And he, sp- he spends time with the Lord on Mount Sinai. All right? Elijah... Goes to that same mountain, and he hides in this cave, and God says, hey, I'm going to pass by. And so Elijah, uh, a little bit different, it's not God hiding him with his hand, but Elijah gets to be in the presence of God on Mount Sinai, just like Moses did. And here, we see something very similar to what Moses did, right? Moses took his staff, and he struck the water, and, and what happened to the Red Sea? It parted. And here, Elijah, not with a staff, but with his cloak, strikes the water, and it parts. And so we get this continuation of the comparison between Elijah and, and Moses. And the point is that Elijah is this powerful person that we should listen to. All right, so, that, so that's what's happening here. They cross the river in verse 9 uh, and on dry ground, and, and Elijah finally turns to Elijah and says, Okay, what do you want? All right? Tell me what I can do for you before you're take, before I'm taking from you. And, and, and Elisha replies, Let me inherit a double portion of your spirits. Uh, Elisha, this entire time, has been faithful to Elijah, even as Elijah says, Stay here, stay here. Elisha's like, No, I'm going with you. And so finally they have this conversation. Okay, what can I do for you? And to understand Elisha's response we have to understand uh, jewish inheritance customs because when we read this in english we're like oh he wants the double portion all right twice as much uh, of the spirit that elijah had and 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 it is interesting to note that elijah will have done eight miracles and elisha does 16 or that elijah's ministry was so long and elisha covers twice as many chapters, okay? It is interesting to note that, but that is not necessarily what Elijah, Elisha is asking here. Uh, in the Jewish world, uh, when it came to inheritance, uh, you basically would divide it among your sons. Sorry, daughters, you didn't get anything, all right? And so if, if you, uh, for me, I have two sons, uh, and so if, if I died, uh, I would divide it up between the two of them, but I wouldn't divide it into twos or in half. Uh, I would divide it into thirds, one more than the children I have. So uh, if you have five children, you or five sons, you wouldn't divide it into fifths, you would divide it into six. So one more. And then every son would get one portion, and then the oldest one would get a second portion, a double portion. And so what Elisha is asking here is, is listen, I understand that 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 there's this school of prophets, but there's this double portion that I want. And kind of what he's asking here is, I want to be the leader. All right? I want to be the guy that's in charge of these people. I want this double portion of the spirits to do what you're doing, to f- make these people understand that the Lord He is God. All right, and so that's what he's asking here. And and Elisha's res- Elijah's response in verse ten is. You know, this is a difficult thing to ask. If, if you see me as I leave, it will be yours. If you don't see me, uh, it's not yours. And so essentially he says, it's not for me to give. It's something that God will give you. And you just have to, you have to watch and see if God's going to allow you to witness this. All right? So that's kind of the conversation there. And then we get uh, the dramatic end of Elijah's life. In verse 11, uh, we read, as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire had appeared, and it separated the two of them. And Elijah went up into a world uh, to heaven in a whirlwind. And Elisha saw this and he cried out, "My father, my father!" The chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garments and he tore it in two. And Elijah's final act in life was just as dramatic as everything else. Right, reading throughout his life, you just see this, this drama that, that, that plays out. All right? uh, so this chariot comes and it divides the two of them. I just see, I don't know, those movies where the chariot's coming and they just kind of both split. You know? right, I just kind of picture that happening. And then while the chariot's passing by, uh, Elijah is taking up into a heaven. And uh, Elijah's response to that is, my father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel and he's not referencing this this chariot of fire that's just divided them. All right? He is referencing Elijah. All right? He's talking about Elijah as he's going up and he's saying uh, ultimately that the true defender of Israel was not the armies of Israel but was Elijah. All right? Armies were were considered powerful if they had chariots and they had horsemen because those were the tanks of the ancient world. All right? Those were the ones that that truly had power all right and and so the more chariots you had the more horsemen you had the more you were able to to defend your country and elijah Shah here recognizes that it's not ahab who's been defending the country but rather elisha or elijah as he has uh, spiritually defended the country against the Baals, and he's gone around trying to show people that that the lord he is god And Elisha, here in this moment, recognizes that. And Elisha, uh, as a sign of mourning, tears his cloak in two. And this was a very uh, uh, Middle Eastern custom uh, that basically was to show on the outside what you were feeling on the inside. And he was very upset. And so he tears it in two to show the world I'm in mourning, I'm saddened by this event. And then uh, to close. Uh, verse 13 and 14, Elisha picks up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen from him, and he went back and he stood on the bank of the Jordan, and he took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah, and he struck the water with it. And he said, where now is the Lord, of the God of Elijah? And when he struck the water, it divided it to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. And so the very first miracle that Elisha does is the very last miracle that Elijah did. And it shows the transference of leadership from Elijah to Elisha. So that's kind of the story. Here's what I think we need to kind of look at on application. And and I think we've talked a little bit about some of it. I think uh, some of the things we have to look at the perspective from Elisha at the very beginning of this chapter where he is willing to follow Elijah wherever he leads. And I think as... uh, People within the church, we need to find those godly leaders and we need to be willing to follow those leaders wherever they take us. Whether or not we agree with their decisions or, or, or even thought processes, because God has placed those leaders in front of us and we need to follow them. All right, so that, that's one thing. Uh, I think there's three other things we can take from here. Uh, the first thing I think we can take from uh, comes from the perspective of Elijah. All right, Elijah was the leader, all right, and he is being told by God, hey, your time is up. And I think as leaders, we need to imitate Elijah when our time is up. All right? If you're a leader, you need to recognize that there is a clock where eventually it will, it will end, and we need to be willing to pass on our mantle, our cloak, our leadership to someone else. Elijah, he doesn't complain once here. He goes and he gives final instructions. Uh, even as he's talking to Elisha, he doesn't look at Elisha and say, no, you're not worthy of my, my double portion or whatever. But rather he says, something for God to decide. And if God is calling new leaders to come up, we need to be willing to hand over those reins of leadership to new people. So I think that's something we get from this. I see we uh, also get something from the perspective of Elijah at the end of this chapter. He is the young guy. He is the new guy. And when Elijah asks him, "What do you want?" Elisha's response is, "I want to be that leader." And so I think there needs to be within our church people willing to step up and say, "Yes, I will take over leadership." We've had three or four elders for the last four years. The same guys, and it's not because they want that leadership. Right, It's not because they're holding tightly on it like like n- not an imitation of Elijah. It's because they've gone out and they've asked people and those people have said no. And that's OK. But we need people to be stepping up and saying, yes, I will do this. Right? We need that new leadership. All right. And I think this is something. Uh, that that we see in Elisha is he he has this desire and he even asked for it I will take it over let me have the double portion right and these new leaders if you are filling the call of God for you to step into these leadership positions you need to be willing to do that because that's what God is leading you to do. The last thing is, is from the company of prophets. In verse 15, uh, we see that these 50 guys that have been watching them cross the river, uh, we're not necessarily told if they see everything that happens, but they definitely see them, them cross the river with Elijah parting it, and we, see them, we know that they witness Elisha doing the same miracle. And so when they come to Elisha, they come and they bow down before them and they say, we are willing to follow you. And what I think we need to recognize if we are not leaders is that there is going to be new leadership at times. There is going to be a transference from one to the new next. And when that happens, we need to be willing to follow the new leaders as wholeheartedly as we follow the old leaders. We need to be willing to follow these godly people that God has placed in front of us wherever they take us. And it might be changed. Things may look different and that's okay because the leaders that are there are the godly leaders that have been placed there and whether they look like Elijah or they look like Elisha, it shouldn't matter. So these are the things that I think we see from the last part of Elijah's life. James says Elijah was a man like us and yes, he had these Uh, dramatic things, these things that set him up almost above everyone else, but in reality, he is just a man. And the things that we learn from his life are things that we can emulate in ours. I pray that that's what we do. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're grateful for Elijah, and no matter how uh, dramatic, no matter how uh, fantastic his life was, we know that he is just like us. He is a man that we can imitate. He is a man that we can can follow. I pray, God, that when we look at him, we're not astounded by what he did, but that we'll be focused instead on what we can do that is just like him. I pray that for our leaders of this church, uh, I pray that you give them the strength to continue to lead that when, when time is up for them, that they are willing to pass on the reign. that they're bringing up new people to, to mentor like Elijah did Elisha, and that those new people can take over those leadership roles. I pray that as a, uh, as a congregation that we can follow our leaders no matter who they are, no matter what uh, they look like, uh, and that we'll be wholeheartedly uh, dedicated to following them as leaders. I ask these things in your name.